Well, another wonderful winter day here in our area. Uh, we've got snow plus bitter cold today. <laughs> what a combination, huh? Well, uh, I want you to take a look at this face here. Oprah Winfrey, one of the most familiar faces in the world. And, and I've enjoyed watching Oprah over the years. I think that she's helped so many people with so many issues. Uh, but in the last 10 years, uh, she has started to aggressively teach her New Age philosophy that has led many people astray. And so I, I don't watch anything Oprah anymore. Uh, and I would encourage you not to either. If you've been kind of following her and her spiritual teaching and the people that are around her, uh, they are not teaching the truth. But all I have to say is that uh, back in 2004, uh, do you remember this when she gave... Uh, a car to everybody in her audience. You remember that? Uh, a Pontiac G6. And uh, how would you respond if somebody gave you a car? Listen to how these people responded. Yeah, all right. <laughs> they were overjoyed. I can remember watching the video. People were dancing. Oh, man, somebody gave me a free car. Unbelievable. And uh, I was uh, researching this online. And a lot of people got upset because they had to pay the $7,000 tax on it. Uh, uh, so either they forfeited the car or they uh, sold the car and uh, paid, the, uh, pro uh, paid the taxes through the profit. Uh, but it was an incredible gift uh, that Oprah gave uh, to these people. In the next slide, uh, we see all the ladies uh, with their free cars, holding up their keys there. Now, that'd be great to be able to give a free car away. Hey, Tony Lopez, come here, man. Come here, buddy. Tony and Irma have come back to us, uh, and we're so glad to have them as a part of our ministry. And let's say that Tony is my neighbor. Let's say Tony uh, needs a car. Yes. And uh, he says, yes. <laughs> so I say, hey, Tony. Hey, Tony, you know, I love you, man, and I just want to help you out here, so... Uh, I'm going to take you out and we're going to go looking for a car. All right? Now, am I, am I going to take him to a Kia dealership? Uh, well, no. Nothing wrong with Kias. But I, if I really want to bless Tony, I'm going to... And I, I have the resources. I don't have the resources, but if I did, uh, I, would, uh, I would say, Tony, what, you have a dream car? Any, a car? any car? Any car in particular that you'd like? Not no more. I used to. Okay, well, tell me a car you'd like. new. No, just just give me give me an idea. A BMW. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I kind of like that. A BMW. All right. So I take Tony over to the BMW dealership, and I said, "Man, pick out what you want, load it up with options, uh, and uh, I gave you that car. How would you feel?" I would be so grateful. <laughs> he would be so grateful, right? No doubt about that. That would be exciting. For someone to give us a brand new car, especially a dream car. You know what the problem with cars is that they eventually wear out. They break down. They get rushed. And eventually, the car that you were driving, whatever, 30 years ago, is sitting in some salvage yard, maybe, or maybe it's already melted down. Cars are temporary. Now, uh, I love Tony here, and let's say that he was not a Christ follower. He had not received the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is, can be described as a jewel, the most precious jewel in the world, with incredible value, uh, a jewel that would transform Tony's life if he was unsaved, a jewel that would transform his relationship with God, and his eternity, a jewel that would transform his family, that would transform the way he views everything in life. Now, would you say that the gospel is more valuable than a new car? Amen. All right. So, here's a question. I wouldn't have much trouble going over to Tony and say, let's go buy you a brand new car. But why do I have so much problem Go to my unsaved neighbor, my friends, people in my family, and telling them about this incredible gift that is much more valuable than a car. We're going to talk about that today. Thank you, Tony. All right, well, we're continuing our series, Acts, the Church on Mission. Let's pick it up in Acts 8, verse 1. Acts 8, verse 1. Give a little context of the passage we'll be studying today. Now, Stephen uh, was martyred for his faith. He was one of the guys that was picked out as a leader in Acts chapter 6 that we studied last week. And so it says here, and Saul, remember, Paul, we're going to talk about him next week, and Saul approved of his execution. So Saul, of course, as you know, was the lead persecutor of a church before he was converted. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Apostles. Now, we might think, oh, well, this, is a, this is a terrible thing. This is one of the worst things that could happen. The church is persecuted. They're forced to leave Jerusalem. But friends, this is the best thing that could ever happen for the church. God allowed this to happen because they were all in their comfort zone. I mean, how good can life be? You're in Jerusalem. Every day you're going to the temple courts where the apostles are teaching you and you're going to people's homes and you're having great dinners together and you're celebrating communion just like we did today and uh, you have all these new friends. You're excited about this new journey you're on in following Jesus Christ as part of the church. Well, yeah, that, that sounds good. I think I like this. I think I'll stay here. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> the plan was that they were to be missionaries, that they were to go into the world and tell other people about Jesus Christ. In fact, let's go back to Acts 1-8, which is the outline for the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So he said, wait, wait, disciples, until the Holy Spirit comes, if you want to see miracles happen. And you will be my witnesses. You know what a witness is? It's somebody who just gives testimony to something. That's what God asks us to do. He just tells us to tell our story. What God did in my life. A big fear in evangelism. Oh man, I've got to know all the questions and uh, I've got to be an expert. No, 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 no. You just have to tell your story. If you're brought to a witness, uh, excuse me, if you're brought to a trial as a witness, they're not going to ask you to be an expert in a certain area. They're just going to say, what did you see? What did you experience? And that's what these people did. They witnessed. In Jerusalem, now that's what we've been talking up to this point in the book of Acts, and in all Judea and Samaria. So 
we're shifting right now to the second part of the book of Acts and to the ends of the earth. And we'll start a little bit of that today too as we study this passage. Now in Acts 4 and 5 it says, but now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. And it's interesting as you study the book of Acts, that's what Christ's followers did. They just keep spreading the Word. The assumption was is that if you were a Christ follower, you were a missionary. And wherever you went, you were to be a witness to Jesus Christ. And that's true of us today. So they went preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. So here we see the shift, right? Judea and Samaria. Judea is the region around you, those people who are similar to you, and Samaria are the people that are dissimilar to you. For example, in our area, uh, people that might be dissimilar uh, from us uh, would be maybe ethnic churches, a Hispanic church, an African American church. I mean, people uh, that might just have a different way of approaching church and worship and uh, that type of thing. So all that to say is that that's the Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. So Philip goes into Samaria. Remember who else went to Samaria? Who was that? Jesus Christ, right? All the other Jews went around it because they hated the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They had intermarried with foreign people. And they had come up with their kind of uh, modified Judaism. So the Jews couldn't stand the Samaritans. But Jesus Christ, of course, loved everybody. So he witnessed to the Samaritan woman there at the well. And now Philip is going into Samaria. So we're moving out from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. In Acts 8.25, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel of many villages of the Samaritans. Now the context of this verse is that something really cool was going on in Samaria. And there was, a, there was a, a people come to the Lord in Samaria because of Philip's witness. And so Peter and John were sent from Jerusalem in order to inspect what was going on here to see if it was the real deal. And when they went to inspect it, they found out that the Holy Spirit was working there. And at that point, these people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. As we study the book of Acts, you'll see as certain groups are brought into the family, people in Jerusalem, the Samaritans, Gentiles, uh, the apostles go out and there is a special, not a special, but a baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place in order to confirm and tell everyone, yes, this is the genuine article. <laughs> these people are Christ followers just to send a message to everybody that these people are now part of the family. So, Peter and John came out and did this. Now, this verse is referring to them. Now, when they had testified, that's Peter and John, and prophesied, spoke the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, we look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. This verse tells us the privilege we have to be ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, what's an ambassador? Well, let's look at definition of ambassador here. 
Uh, this is from uh, Webster's. The highest ranking person who represents their own government while living in another country. Now, you, if you're a Christ follower, are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, first of all, you're the highest ranking person. You say, what are you talking about? Well, you're a child of God. Right? You can't get any higher than that, right? You are a child of God, and we are all equal. I'm not more of a child of God because of the way I live my life or the fact that I'm a pastor. No, 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 no. We are all equal together. We all are high-ranking because we are children of God. Second thing, a person who represents, you are to represent the kingdom of God. You are to represent who Jesus Christ is. You are to represent what the gospel is all about. Who represents their own government. What is our government? Well, again, it's the kingdom of God. We serve God. He is the king of our government. And therefore, we represent Him. We show other people what it means to live as citizens of God. As citizens of heaven. Because we're living in another country. This is not our country. This is not our home. And we need to be continually reminded about that. Because as we watch media and we observe we're sucked into this world and we're sucked into the values of this world and we need to say, no, this is not my world. I'm not going to buy into sinful values because I belong to another nation. The nation of God. And I'm just a traveler passing through here. That's part of disciple making is helping people to realize that and, and helping us every day to wake up and say, I am not a citizen of this world. I am a citizen of heaven. Now let's go back to the verse. 2 Corinthians 5.28 Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. That is what we are to do as Christ followers. God has chosen you and I. He could have done a lot of different ways. He could have sent angels down, of course. Uh, but we are the only plan that He has. You and I. To tell people about Jesus. To tell people about the Gospel. Started out with the disciples in the early church. And has been passed down through centuries to us today and and we are the bearers of this good news. We are the ambassadors. And each one of you who knows Jesus is an ambassador. And God is making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is our, that is our responsibility. As we go out into our world and we follow the Spirit's lead, we are to implore people to be reconciled to God because they are separated from God. They don't have a relationship with God. That they are at odds with God. They're under the condemnation of God. But because of the gospel, they can be reconciled to God. They can come into relationship with Jesus Christ. What an exciting thing that we can do. Amen.
Amen. So let's talk about how to share the Gospel. How to share the Gospel. Number one is prayer. Bottom line, guys, any project you have in life, you should start with prayer. You're going to remodel your home? Start with prayer. You're going to find a way to fix your car? Start with prayer. You're making critical decisions about your children's lives? Start with prayer. That is how God wants us to live our lives. 8.26 Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. <laughs> Here, Philip is up in Samaria. And he's got a thriving ministry going on. Samaritans are coming to Jesus. Now again, you had to be a Jew to fully understand how much of a game changer this was that the Samaritans were coming in uh, to the body of Christ. Uh, but he was right in the middle of this. And an angel showed up and said, Hey, listen, i got another assignment for you way down south, about 50 miles on a desert road. Now you could think Philip's saying, Really? <laughs> I mean, don't you see what's going on here? Uh, walking 50 miles, uh, I'm not into that. <laughs> no. Philip knew to listen <laughs> to the Holy Spirit who was speaking to this angel. And uh, so he traveled that 50 miles for this divine appointment. Friends, we need to pray. Romans 10.1, Paul is speaking about his passion for the Israelites who have rejected Jesus Christ. Now these are the kind of people in your life you would think they will never Come to Jesus. Anybody got anybody in that in your life? Like, there's no possible way uh, without an incredible miracle. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, this person is gone. Well, that's who Paul's praying for here. The Israelites who've rejected Christ, they want nothing to do with him. Brothers, my heart's desire, my, my love, my passion, and prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. So, I know everybody's at a different place in sharing the gospel. Some people say, uh, I'm not going there. It's way too fearful. Grace, <laughs> a little too much fear. Uh, but one thing you can do, and it's a growth process. It doesn't happen overnight. But the one thing, and really the most effective thing you can do, is start to pray for that person. Start to pray for that person. In fact, we're going to pray together for people that we would like to see come to know Jesus. So if you could take this card out that you received, and if you could do a favor for me, grab a pen from somebody, if you don't have one. All right. Uh, I'm going to have you fill this out, and uh, we'd love to have you turn this in. You don't have to, but uh, we'd love to have you turn this in so we can put a prayer list together. Friends, uh, we are going to begin a new chapter here at Springbrook. And we'll be telling you about that more in the future. In fact, at our leadership gathering next Sunday after church, we're going to be fully informing you about this new chapter we're going to be entering into at Springbrook. So you don't have to be a leader to come. We invite everybody. But if you want to know what the next chapter looks like, uh, please come out. It'll be a very exciting time uh, together. We've got some great news to share with you. But first of all, uh, write down 
your name, okay, if I ever get to do this for me, write down your name there, and then write down your email, okay? Write down your email, all right? Then write down, and I want you to exclude family members because we just naturally want to reach family members and certainly want to be praying for them. But I want you to write somebody outside of your family uh, that you want to come to know Jesus, maybe somebody at work, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so write that down, all right? Uh, that person's name. And again, you just have, you just put their first name down. You don't even have to put their real name down, okay? If, if, if we're praying, you know, we, God knows who it is. So. Uh, all right? And then write the relationship to this person, like work, neighbor, whatever the relationship might be. So, so far we've got your name, your email, then the second line would be the person's first name or pseudonym, <laughs> and then the relationship, work, neighbor, that type of thing. Now, the third line would be a, a specific prayer request that you would have for this person, okay, whatever it might be. You don't have to do that, but if, if you want us to pray about that, you can do that. Uh, the next thing I'd like you to do on this card uh, is to um, uh, write down if you would like to receive a, an Excel spreadsheet uh, with these prayers. Okay? So uh, just write, uh, would like prayer list, write down prayer list. And we'll send this out to those people who'd like to commit themselves to praying for these people. Uh, again. And then finally, uh, if you have. Uh, the gift of evangelism, or you have uh, just, I mean, that's just kind of like who you are, inviting people out to church and, and wanting to see more seekers come to Christ, uh, come to Springbrook here. Uh, write that down as well. Write down the word uh, evangelism. Okay? All right. And that will help us because we're going to really tune up our evangelistic engines here uh, because they've dropped off. We only baptized 25 people last year, 26 people the year before. Now, baptism does not save you, okay? But it's a good way to mark kind of where people are at in terms of how many people are coming to Christ. So, our evangelistic temperature is low. And that's part of our new chapter is encouraging people in that way. So, just to review with you, all right? At the top of the card, you've got your name and your email. And then, and your emails will not be shared with any, when the spreadsheet goes out, the email will not be shared. And uh, your last name, will, last name will not be shared. It will just be your first name. And then the person who you're trying to reach, just the first name or any name you want to put down, and then the relationship to this person, okay? Uh, then any prayer requests you might have for this person. And uh, then if you'd like to receive this prayer list that lists the person's your, name, your first name, the person's first name, and then just, uh, you know, information about uh, any prayer requests you have. Uh, you can just say prayer list. And then finally, if you have an interest uh, in, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to find people who are interested in evangelism in order that we might mobilize them to help us to do uh, better uh, works of getting the news out about Jesus Christ. Now, why do I take all that time to do that? Because we're a church of action. We're, 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 a, we're an army, okay? And armies need to get organized. And the first step is always prayer. So we want to get these 
prayers, I want to get this prayer list out, and uh, start praying uh, for the people that you are uh, trying to reach. All right. Now, uh, let's see here. Let's continue on. It says in Acts 4.31. Now, the number one thing that you need to pray for is boldness. Okay? In fact, you know what? You need to pray more for yourself than the person you're trying to reach. <laughs> okay? <laughs> because it, it's very common, friends, it's not unusual that people are very timid for a lot of reasons about sharing their faith. There's all kinds of fears, as I mentioned. Uh, are people going to reject me? Am I going to lose a friendship? Am I going to offend people? Uh, can I articulate it? Uh, hey, who am I to be speaking of the Christian faith? I'm, I'm far from perfect, right? Or people are going to think I'm arrogant, trying to push my religion upon them. All those things go through people's minds, and we'll address those type of things in the future. But pray that God would help you to step out of your comfort zone and be bold. And it comes through prayer, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Remember, we studied this passage after they were persecuted. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the power. And continue to speak of the Word of God with boldness. So what are some prayers for the unsaved? Pray for the Holy Spirit to draw them to Jesus. Pray for opportunities to plant gospel seeds in their lives. Pray that uh, they would be exposed to the gospel in other ways. And pray for patience as you wait. That's the hardest one, right? The second part of sharing the gospel is engagement. Let's go on to verse 27. Uh, so, Philip rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, a queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. This guy was way up there in the government. He was the secretary of the treasure. Here's a picture of uh, Ethiopia in Jesus' day. As you see, it's uh, the lower part of Africa. So it was a very, very large country uh, back in that day. So we go back to verse 27. Uh, now this man had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he was a God-fearer. He wasn't a Jew, but he was one who had somehow heard about Judaism and believed that that was the true faith. And he was returning seated in his chariot, chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now look at verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Well, that was kind of intimidating. <laughs> a chariot back in that day wasn't what we think of uh, today. Uh, it was really uh, the Ethiopian eunuch sitting in this seat, and he was carried on poles uh, by several guys. And this is like a 500-mile trip. And you think your job is bad? <laughs> but that's how important this guy was, all right? Uh, so... Uh, he went over to the chariot, and Philip ran to him. I love that. Philip is just so excited to share with this guy. Who cares who he is, how many people in his entourage, you know. I'm going to witness to him. And he, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Uh, well, let's take a look at some of what he was reading. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All talking about Jesus, the prophetic passage about Jesus. Uh, Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just what we celebrated during communion, right? All our sins were laid upon him because we were sinful. 
I love that phrase. Uh, Upon him was the chastisement, was the penalty that brought us peace. And he just happened to be in Isaiah. Maybe he bought this thing in Jerusalem, Isaiah. And right when Philip showed up, he was at Isaiah 53. That's the Holy Spirit. You've got to remember, the Holy Spirit is the artist. And you are just a brush. And so many people get all freaked out because, oh, if I don't witness this person or say the right thing, they're not going to accept Jesus. No, 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 no. You are just a brush. Okay? The Holy Spirit ha- had been working in the Ethiopian's life in many different ways, a lot of different brushes on this canvas. And now Philip was coming in to put the final touches to bring this man to Jesus. And I, I, I've witnessed a hundred people, I've, I've led hundreds of people to the Lord, and I always find that uh, there were many, many other brushes before I sat down with them. And I was just kind of the closer. I had to get through the evangelism. And, and so, man, I, I just have the easy part. Right, the hard part is loving a person year after year after year and planting the seeds of the gospel in their life. But uh, this is what happened uh, with Philip. So, uh, we read in verse 31, and he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. And the guy's going, oh. <laughs> uh, Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Again, this is further down in this uh, Isaiah 53. Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, talking about Jesus. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Remember, Jesus didn't say anything. Uh, verse 33, And his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? And then if we see in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. That's so cool, huh? All all, uh, strategized and designed by the Holy Spirit because God wanted this man to be his child. Isn't that beautiful? And what a privilege it is To share Jesus. And I know some of you are saying, man, I could never do that. Well, my prayer for you as we journey as a church, that we would encourage you, inspire you, train you, so that to whatever degree God leads you, you can step out of your comfort zone and speak out with boldness. Verse 36, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, it's interesting that somewhere in their conversation... Philip told him, listen, you need to be baptized. Now, baptism does not save you. Okay? It's just a way of testifying to the fact that God has transformed your life. But this is one of the reasons uh, that we put so much emphasis on baptism. Because you see it throughout the book of Acts. Every time a person was saved, they were baptized almost immediately after that. The Great Commission says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That's why we're required for membership. Because it's just a step you need to take. One of the first steps you need to take in following Jesus. Uh, Verse 37. Now, this is not included in most manuscripts. In fact, if you're looking at your Bible, how many have a Bible and it's not included? Anybody not have verse 37 out there? Okay, a couple of you. Uh, This verse was, uh, or this particular verse, uh, passage was uh, uh, 
put in by a, uh, a scribe in the second century because we don't know if it was a baptismal confession that they did, but the scribe thought that it wasn't clear enough. <laughs> so, but again, that's how, that's how true we are to the original Greek that, that in terms of, of Bible translations and things of that nature, that we would look back and say, okay, we look at the originals and we say, oh, there was a change there in the second century. So now that verse is no longer in. Okay, so that's the integrity of Bible translation. Uh, it goes on, it says, uh, in verse 38, And he commended, commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, talking about baptism by immersion, uh, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Now, this is the best part. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Uh, i got some teleportation going on. And I don't know if you realize that. If you've never led a person to Jesus Christ, uh, you can tell God where you want to go. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> take me to... Uh, <laughs> no, this is a miracle, all right? Uh, God probably figured that uh, Philip was too tired from the 50 miles that he traveled. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing! Rejoicing! That's the bottom line, friends. We want to bring joy to people's lives by introducing them to Jesus. And after Philip embraces Jesus Christ, what does he do? He rejoices. And friends, that's why we work so hard. That's why we teach and we train and we give in order that people might experience the joy of knowing Jesus. That is what we're after. Well, here's some planting gospel seed ideas. Talk about your church activities and relationships at church. I've got a great thing going on. I'm going through physical therapy. And it's really fun because I'm around all of these people who I don't think know the Lord. And so I'm talking to everybody. And I'm developing relationships with everybody. And when the PT person you know, asks me about my weekend, well, they're going to hear a summary of my message. They're going to <laughs> I have a very good relationship uh, with these people. So I, I'm always kind of checking to see, you know, if they're still interested. But I, I just, oh, it, it's just like a, an evangelist in that kind of situation. That's really fun. All right. But you can do the same thing. Hey, how was your weekend? Oh, I had a great service yesterday. Talk about small group. Just talk, just talk about your life. That's planting a seed. Ask how you can pray for them. Uh, share how God has helped you in your life. Talk about how God has helped you in certain situations. Uh, uh, have a Matthew party. Remember Matthew when Jesus was coming over? He invited all his unsaved friends. Uh, so you can do the same thing. You can invite a person who doesn't know the Lord or a couple that doesn't know the Lord and invite somebody from Springbrook or another Christian friend and uh, they can be exposed to other Christ followers. Share need-based biblical resources with them. If they share with you, they're going through some... It's like, like you're struggling in their marriage. Well, send them to Focus on the Family or some other website or buy a book and then invite them to a Springbrook activity. It doesn't always have to be here at Springbrook. In fact, uh, is uh, Doug Mills around here? Come up, Doug, for a second. Uh, we have a lot of things going on, as you heard from uh, Emily. And one of the things we have is financial peace. Now, everybody needs wisdom in finances. And Doug is leading our financial peace uh, ministry. So, Doug, can you tell us a little more about it? Sure, thanks. Just wait, see if they turn on. Okay. Nope. 
just grab one. There we, there we go. go. All right. Thank you. Um, as Dan said, I'm Doug Mills, and uh, I'll be leading our Financial Peace University series that we have coming up later this month. And uh, I just want to take a moment this morning and uh, encourage you to consider signing up for this program. Uh, this will really change your life on how you view money and how you manage money. As all of us know, money can be very stressful for an individual, uh, for a relationship with a spouse, uh, with a whole family. And uh, this will really help you uh, eliminate some of that stress and have more joy in your life. Uh, this really concentrates on debt consolidation and eliminating debt. It talks about being debt-free. Um, I know many of us go through the month and we pay our bills, we buy our groceries, uh, we do our different activities. At the end of the month, we look at our checkbook and go, wow, where did all the money go? So this will help us manage that money, but also it's not just for people that uh, have a lot of debt or are having trouble managing their money. You may be doing well, you may be saving money, you may be uh, planning for the future, but this will also show you how to get the right mortgage for your home. It will show you how to buy the best insurance for your automobiles, for your, uh, your home. Uh, it will also help you learn how to save for college, uh, save for retirement, different things like that. So it's not just a program for people that are, have financial concerns, or that are in a lot of debt, this can really help anyone uh, on those different levels as you go through life. Uh, my wife and I went through that several years ago, and it really changed how we manage our money. So I just want to take a moment this morning and encourage you to please consider that. I'll be out uh, in the atrium at the end of this service and the next service and try to answer any questions that you might have. Yeah, it's a tremendous program. But here's an illustration, okay? Uh, if you have somebody, if, if somebody comes to you and says, man, I'm really struggling financially, I say, hey, we have a financial peace program uh, that we run once or twice a year. And if you're interested, you know, we'd love to have you. Or we have a men's breakfast coming up uh, this Saturday. That's a great thing. Because many times the first invite might not be to a service for a lot of reasons. Uh, but it might be to men's breakfast. It might be uh, to other activities that we have going on here. So thank you, Doug, for your ministry. So, friends, I want to encourage you as we take or as we collect our offering here in a moment uh, to drop those cards in if you feel comfortable in doing that, because we want to start praying for the people that you're seeking uh, to reach. And again, number one, pray, pray for that person, and number two, start to engage with them. Take these uh, notes home and start praying these prayers. And say, Lord, how can I take that next step of engagement in reaching the people that I care so much about? Let's pray together as ushers come forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity you've given us to study this incredible passage about evangelism. Sometimes we look at this and say, well, yeah, that was Philip. But no, Lord, uh, we are all ambassadors and we all share the gospel in different ways. So, Lord, I just pray for all of us that we would be bold. They would take that next step out of our comfort zone. doesn't mean we need to be Billy Graham, uh, but it does mean that we need to continue to stretch our faith in you, that we can be a part of a person coming to Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as we collect our offering, I'm going to ask Del Dici to come out. And we had our annual meeting last week, and we would like to tell you uh, more about that.
Al is the chairman of our elder board. So, Al, tell us what happened. Well, thank you, Dan, for letting us uh, share a little bit. I know many of you were not able to make that meeting, so uh, we just wanted to give you an update on, on what happened. Um, we'll just hit most of the highlights here, but uh, we had uh, uh, affirmation of uh, eldership, and uh, Eric Runk is um, one of the people that uh, came up for consideration for being an elder. And this is a first time for Eric, and uh, it's exciting to watch this because here's a person, you know, we're a church that talks about discipling people. And uh, so Eric uh, kind of was discipled through our small group system here, and uh, just to watch his maturity and development as it happened. So uh, Eric uh, was uh, affirmed to have a two-year term on the elder board, so we're excited to have him as part of that process. Um, the next person we had come up was uh, Bill Atkinson. Now, Bill has been with us in the past. Uh, he had served six years previously, but um, he had uh, had to take a couple of years off because that's the, the policy of how we deal with this. Uh, you can serve only six years maximum consecutively, and then you have to take some time off. So uh, it's good to have Bill back on the board. And uh, he has a real servant's heart. And uh, there's a picture of Bill and his family. Uh, looks a little bit like Harrison Ford there. But uh, <laughs> that was a great trip they had out to Arizona. So uh, it was good to have that uh, chance to get away a little bit. But uh, Eric um, and uh, Bill uh, will be serving the next two years. We also reaffirmed uh, three other existing elders, and that would be uh, Dean Brandt and uh, John Pushparaj and uh, Matt Warline. So uh, that will be our elder board as we move forward for the next two years. In addition, we want to take a look at uh, a particular request we put in. And uh, a while back, uh, if we could have the next slide, um, the state of Illinois passed a law legalizing same-sex marriage. And uh, as soon as we saw that come out, uh, the Elder Board strongly believes that this law is contrary to the teachings of Scripture. And we wanted to be proactive in responding to this. So uh, we put in a request that we would make a change to our Constitution and have a statement of faith concerning marriage. So if we look at the next slide, uh, you'll read that with me. Uh, we believe in the scriptural definition of marriage, in the teachings and practices of this church. And therefore, for example, this church will not officiate, solemnize, perform, or host a marriage or marriage-like ceremony involving anything other than the union of one man and one woman as instituted by God. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to hear that because that's, this is an important issue for us. And uh, we indicated here the three scriptural references we uh, have uh, approached in looking at this. And, and once again, this uh, had passed, so this is now a part of our Constitution. So thank you for, for making that happen. Um, in addition, we looked at our uh, budget. We uh, reviewed the 2013 budget, and we proposed a new 2014 budget. So we've got some of those numbers up here. Um, the new budget was uh, for $1,132,000, slightly beyond that. And uh, this is a reduction of last year's budget by almost $1,000. And uh, this is a budget we worked very hard on trying to make as, as um, respectable um, to, to what we have going financially, but at the same time respecting the ministries that we're able to provide as a church. We did want, not want to go into a mode of reducing the kind of ministry we're able to provide. So um, 
Two numbers that might stand out to you. You see a number there of a reduction of $11,000 in the uh, facility fund. But if you look at the bottom line, there's also an uh, expansion in the capital fund of almost 10000 just a little bit over $10,000. The reason for that is because of mortgage payments. Um, most of that money is accounted for. Half of the, what we do, the, the interest portion goes into the facility budget, and the principal portion of that goes into the capital budget. So the good news is we're paying off more and more of that loan. Something I didn't even share at the meeting, but I want to share with you guys, Nine and a half years from now, we will have paid off the mortgage for the land of this church. <laughs> Two and a half years after that, we will have paid off the mortgage for the building. That's going to put us in such a different position when we get to that point in time. So uh, praise God uh, for, number one, all of your guys' faithfulness at um, uh, supporting this church and, and the way you have supplied us with the, the resources we need to continue to move forward. So God bless you all. Thank you. Thanks so much, Al. And, uh, yeah. Al will be in the atrium. If you have any questions uh, whatsoever, please talk to us, elders. Uh, we'd love to share with you more about the ministry. Uh, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, oh Lord, there are so many lost people, people living without Jesus. And I pray that uh, your spirit would move through our ministry in a new way and that we would see many more people come to you through the people in our church, through our church as a body. And we're just going to keep on praying, Lord, and keep on doing the work of an evangelist because we're all ambassadors for you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, just a reminder, uh, as you leave, we do have our prayer team. They can come forward at this time. And if you have any prayer need whatsoever, they would love to spend some time praying for you. Have a warm day.